Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to our Anthropology of Fear podcast, COVID-19 edition. This is obviously a really strange and scary time we are living in that is unprecedented for all of us, but it is also an opportunity to examine more closely our multifaceted individual and collective fear reactions in the context of a pandemic. We may never have this lived experience again. We can look at what are people fearing and why? What contributes to people's fears right now and what lessens them, if anything? How will this end and what will life and our fears and anxieties look like on the other side of this? We will be discussing all of this and more in the coming episodes. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, everyone. So today for this podcast, which is being created for the class Anthropology of Fear, I'm going to be talking about fear within the context of students based off of an interview that I conducted earlier this semester. Um, so as, a, as kind of like a guide, I'll break down this discussion into six parts. So I'll start with some background information and then I'll talk about my main anthropological point, um, a description of who I interviewed, then what we talked about. Um, I'll discuss this a little bit further, and then we'll conclude with just some final thoughts. So a little background information on myself. Um, My name is Dresden Lonergan, and I'm a junior economics major at Kenyon College, which is actually where I'd normally be right now, but I'm currently home in Brookville, Indiana due to the coronavirus. I've been studying anthropological perspective on many different forms of fear this past semester, and today I'm going to dive into one of those forms that I think is affecting many individuals right now, particularly in the given state of the nation. So my main anthropological point for this podcast is that the fear of COVID-19 is affecting students, and they are reacting to this pandemic with fear. Um, This fear comes from a lack of control and also of just the unknown. I think students have a very interesting perspective because they have certain fears that many Americans don't right now that aren't students. Um, Students are scared of this impact that the virus is having on their academic success. And this is due, like I said, to the fear of the unknown. And this fear is very common in many situations with the lack of control aiding with it. So for who I interviewed, um, I decided to interview my brother, Pierce Lonergan, who is also currently home due to the pandemic. I wanted to get his perspective on how the virus has been affecting his life as a student and what new fears this has been creating for him. He is currently a freshman chemical engineer major at Rose Holman Institute of Technology in Terre Haute, Indiana, which is particularly interesting because this is an extremely rigorous and heavy course loaded school. So to switch to go home to complete your academics has been particularly challenging for him. Um, So while also his fears might be more college student age focused, I think that this could still be related to many students at all levels. So as a brief summary of our interview, uh, in the interview, Pierce talked a lot about a fear of lack of control that he was scared of not knowing what was going to happen in regards to returning to school or the future of his academic career. What was particularly interesting is how much he emphasized his fear of getting good grades and being able to stay on top of things academically, and not so much being afraid of the virus itself. 
He acknowledged his lack of fear for the virus possibly being related to his age and belief that if he were to somehow contract the disease, he would eventually be fine, and also due to the fact that he's been properly quarantining. He also fears being behind academically and being robbed of knowledge that he would have otherwise gotten being in a school setting. He is also scared of adjusting to the at-home school setting and being able to teach himself the material while still being able to effectively complete his homework assignments successfully. The job search is also a big concern, but not as much as current academics. He concludes with once again stating how he's not very scared of the virus, but rather what the virus is doing to society and schools. I found this particularly interesting that Pierce talked a lot about his lack of fear for the virus itself. That has to do a lot with his age and this feeling like young people are invincible, which is simply not true. This is the mental attitude that actually scares a lot of people that are very much at risk for the virus. His fears are more targeted towards school. And this is really interesting because from casually talking to other students, I'm finding a trend that this virus how it's affecting them personally on an inconvenience level is more important in day-to-day life than how the virus is affecting the nation health-wise. Students are unique because things that weren't necessarily a concern before are now causing extreme worry, such as adapting to learning without ever stepping into a classroom or how this is going to affect them in the future. Are they being set up to fail? Is it better to keep the classes easier? I'm sorry, to make the classes easier and risk being behind in the future, whether that be job or class-wise, or keep the classes at the same level of difficulty and risk not being able to be as successful academically. Each option creates fear for a student. And as I mentioned before, the fear of the unknown and this lack of control is what is really driving this academic fear. We've discussed this fear of lack of control a lot, particularly in the relation in relation to borders. And one article that really stood out to me was Sethelow's The Edge and the Center, Gated Communities and the Discourse of Urban Fear. She talks about how gated communities form this fake sense of control against the other, and when that is lost, panic ensues. That is relevant here because control is being lost, and so students are panicking, and in a big way. So my final comments on this are that I think students are getting hit with some difficulties right now regarding academics, and it's scary to have so much be unknown in regards to how long this will last and what this means for the trajectory of their academic careers. From an anthropological point, this fear is a basic human reaction that makes logical sense, but that's not exactly comforting for the students currently struggling to keep up. Hi, I will be talking about fear, the coronavirus, and how those two have affected relationships during quarantine. My name is Brittany Beckley, and I'm a senior history major at Kenyon College, currently at home in Orange, New Jersey. Orange is in the northern part of New Jersey and is a small urban city, home to many cultures, and a melting pot of various ethnicities. Under normal circumstances, I would be in my on-campus apartment, but COVID-19, or the coronavirus, changed that. The first coronavirus case was in Wuhan, China, back in January, and slowly spread throughout the rest of the world. At first, America's leadership treated the virus 
like it was a distant problem to the Western world, but was rudely awakened when that non-threat entered America's hemisphere and soon wreaked havoc on every aspect of society and disrupted everyone's lives. A national quarantine was ordered, students were sent home, employees were laid off, and the entire country shut down, and countless lives were affected by the ridiculously high number of coronavirus deaths. I'm going to talk about how relationships have been affected by COVID-19. Quarantine has challenged and disrupted many romantic relationships, friendships, kinships, and other mutual obligations. Research shows that people's relationships with others affect their well-being and health. So I predict that quarantine, self-isolation, and social distancing has been a trying time for most. Some Some might admit that they have felt lonely since the virus outbreak, especially those who live alone. During these frightening, chaotic, and uncertain times, people have been unable to have face-to-face communication with their loved ones. People aren't able to visit their parents, hospitalize newborns, or older relatives, even if they are on their deathbed, for fear of spreading the virus. Though some people feel isolated, physically and psychologically, others have felt more connected to their households, neighbors, and social networks. As inherent social beings, this deep urge for connection has propelled some into feeling more connected to others than they typically have been because they have more free time and technology. So I interviewed Karen, a single mother who lives in a condo in an urban city, and I also interviewed Eileen, a wife who lives in a house in a suburb. Both are Jamaican and in their 50s. Karen talked about her fears about contracting the virus, her familial relationships, and her faith in God. Karen Karen lives alone most of the time, but her daughter comes home during the summers, and even then, Karen works long hours at her job, which prevents her from spending time with her daughter. Although her relationship with her daughter was strengthened by the quarantine because they got to spend more time together and they got to know each other on a more intimate level. An article from the University of Georgia studied the COVID-19 outbreak's effect on social relationships and found that the way people are connecting during this time is incredibly moving and not despite the pandemic, but because of it. Karen expressed fear for her daughter's mental health if she passed away from the coronavirus because they both live alone together. I think it would be hard for someone to lose their only parent during a time when other family members cannot come to help out and comfort a daughter. Karen realized that the coronavirus is like a big ball rolling down a hill, unbothered by who it knocks down in its path. Her relationship to God and her close-knit family was strengthened because she was reminded to appreciate and cherish others more and to give them roses while they're still alive because tomorrow's not promised. Karen's neighbors and friends were able to bring her soup when she was feeling under the weather during quarantine, which speaks volumes about her neighborhood. I think that in an urban city where everyone is kind of on top of each other, there's a greater sense of community because there is a special responsibility on people to care for those around them. Eileen talked about her family member that tested positive for the virus. Because she was far away, she was unable to help which affected her physical and mental health. I know that quarantine accentuated Island's distance 
from the rest of her family because Eileen could not hop on a plane to nurse her ailing sister, leaving her panicked and feeling useless. It would have been unbearable to know that her favorite sister was dying and that she couldn't visit her in the hospital or even at her funeral. Eileen leaves alone with her husband in a quiet suburb where neighbors are far away from each other and other civilization. I think that Eileen's lonely setting was a factor in her panic attacks and feelings of powerlessness because her spread out housing division was con- has conditioned her into solving her problems by herself. I don't think that her neighbors are as connected to each other as they would have been in a more urban setting. The stress and loneliness Eileen felt physically manifested into body shakes and shortness of breath, which proves that relationships can affect a person's well-being. Along with quarantine, sentinelistic coverage and the spreading of misinformation fed into fear and intensified the panic. Karen was a panicked buyer because the news media showed others panic buying, so she partook in it too. The great toilet paper pandemic video showed that customers saw coverage of empty shelves, which insinuated that there was a shortage, so they went out to buy more for fear of running out. And then the cycle just started up again. Anthropology helps us understand cultural rumors and its effect on society's actions. As the video showed, Johnny Carson's joke had a snowball effect on his viewers' actions and emotions. My point is that quarantine has affected people's relationships for the worse, or in my cases, for the better. Those very relationships have power over one's mental and physical health, and that media can affect the public's actions. You can see these conclusions through my interview analyses of Karen and Eileen. Fear in anthropology is relevant to understanding Karen and Eileen's insecurities, their emotions, and their actions during a very scary and restricting time. Thank you, and I really hope you enjoyed listening to me as much as I really liked talking about my research. Hi, my name is Ben Neal, and welcome to my podcast for Kenyon College's Anthropology of Fear class. Today, I'll be discussing an interview that I held with my father, Guy Neal, regarding how the COVID-19 pandemic has impacted his perception of fear, as well as the changes that the outbreak has made to his everyday life. This podcast will generally start off with his early perception of the virus before it reached the U.S. and how he thought it might affect his life, before delving into more specifics regarding fears that have arisen from the spread of COVID-19 across the United States. We currently live in an apartment in Alexandria, Virginia, and before the outbreak, my father commuted to his job as a teacher in Washington, D.C. at the Washington International School. The main anthropological purpose of this interview and podcast is to gauge the potential cultural fears that have been spurred on by the spread of COVID-19 from the perspective of a teacher, and what the effect that his lifestyle and routine being uprooted has had on his daily life and attitudes surrounding both the short-term and the long-term impacts of the virus. Due to the spread of the virus, he has been teaching his high school students by using Zoom to conduct his classes, 
and he feels as though that this has had a severe impact on both his daily life and curriculum planning, as well as the education that his students have been receiving. We spent some time early on in the interview discussing the changes he noticed amongst his students. I asked him if there had been any visible changes in the students' psyches that he had noticed, and he responded with, quote, I think there was a dramatic change in, I would say, week two. I think we're recording this, it's week four or five. So I do think there was a sense of isolation, anxiety, depression, and maybe that's too strong of a word, but they were significantly affected. Whereas now, week four, week five, I think it might just be my own bias and how I've been getting used to it, but people have gotten into a certain groove. End quote. Though his answer to this question revolves around how the virus has impacted his students rather than himself, it is precisely his focus on his students that took up a large portion of the interview. The many times that I asked him a different variation of a question meant to have him open up on his level of fear surrounding the virus. He consistently claimed that the majority of his fears do not stem from the biological nature and health, health risks of the virus, but more just on how the precautions that individual state governments have taken may impact both his life and the life of those around him. The precautions taken by state governments that we discussed revolves around both the impact of school shutdowns as well as the social distancing and mask wearing guidelines that we are meant to follow. When I asked him about his view on the potential effect that the spread of COVID-19 has in his long-term life and whether this was more anxiety inducing than the early stages of the virus, he responded with, quote, I believe once Personally, I can't speak for anyone else, but once I have made peace with the social distancing and what it requires, then the anxiety tends to go away. Now it's shifted from, oh no, what if I get COVID-19 to, okay, how is this going to impact my day-to-day, short-term and long-term, end quote. After discussing with him for a while, it became clear that he was never terribly afraid of contracting the virus himself as he was more concerned with what might happen if he spread it to others. This was perpetuated in our discussion regarding social distancing and mask wearing, and what he feels are his responsibilities during this pandemic. I asked him if he is personally on top of staying six feet away from others at all times, as well as his reasonings for doing so. I also asked whether he felt any level of paranoia if someone broke social distancing guidelines and walked within six feet of him. He responded with, quote, it's less my concern about me and more my concern for what my behavior could do to others. So I think it's appropriate and I think that's what social distancing is all about. It's not just about you and your health. It is about the health ramifications that you can have on others. I'm not so much concerned about myself because I've been extremely fortunate in my life regarding health, end quote. Overall, despite the interview being focused on his fears regarding the virus itself, he explained that his fears primarily stem from the disruption to his daily routine and the possibility of him spreading the disease to others. Him being a high school teacher offers a unique perspective on the social distancing brought on by the virus, as he is in daily contact online with dozens of students who all have their own separate and unique fears and anxieties surrounding the spread of COVID-19. One of the largest impacts the pandemic has had on his daily life is that he no longer has to bike to get to and from work, 
which used to be an hour commute each way. He is now conducting his classes from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. over Zoom every day and has to adapt his curriculum accordingly. He believes that this change in teaching methods and his fear that he is not doing as effective of a job as he was before the outbreak, as well as the uncertainty as to how long this will all last for, are the main contributors to his fears surrounding COVID-19.